That's Mike. That's Toya. And, and this, this is, is Tech Beats and Bites. Toya, Toya, how you doing today? How are you doing? Look, trying to stay healthy. It's, it's cold season What's and that thing is see? rampant. Uh, Listen. Cold season? Yeah. Hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Not that cold. <laughs> kind of cold you bring. How you doing? <laughs> you know, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh-oh. It's not bad. My bad, y'all. It's always like this. Uh, it's just some stuff that needs to be discussed. Always. That's why we're here every uh, Wednesday. Every Wednesday, Bringing two it o'clock, to you. whether we on time or not, but <laughs> we here. All right, we on time. Two-ish. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, first topic of the day is the social demand. Um, shout out to one of our Miami companies, South Florida company. Papa, a Miami-based startup that helps make life much easier, safer, and happier for seniors by providing grandkids on demand. All right. Some of y'all got grandparents that don't want to see y'all <laughs> anyways. So uh, they announced the completion of a $10 million Series A round. Papa connects college and nursing students, known as Papa Pals, to older adults who need assistance with transportation, house chores, technology, and other services. The startup says it's Papa Pals. It has 3,500 and counting. They curb social isolation and loneliness among seniors, which researchers have shown that some the same impact on health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. Loneliness is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We're social beings. We need companionship. Absolutely. So on Wednesday, Papa also announced it has partnered with multiple large health insurance plans. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Humana, Aetna, Priority Health and Alignment Healthcare are making the services available to many more seniors. Recent law changes and concern in Medicare Advantage means some proper services like transportation to medical appointments could be covered, impacting 20 million beneficiaries. That's phenomenal, especially when you think about the aging population, right? The baby boomers. Right. They're going to need help soon. And some of them, especially those who are on the higher end, of the generation, they're kind of already there. So this is fantastic. And South Florida, what better place to try it, right? All these retirement homes. Good job. So I think this is going to be very interesting. Now, with the social demand aspect of it, what I'm always curious about with things like this is exciting as it is, how does the safety of this work? Because that means that they're coming into the homes. So, like, the background checks. Because it means a lot of people's homes are going to be affected. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And I'm sure they have to have something, especially from the transportation aspect, is if you if that's being covered by the insurance or their Medicare plans. So now your Uber drivers are taking <laughs> Right. <You're> <laughs> Come pick up Pop-Pop and <laughs> take him to his appointment. Thank you. Appreciate you. So Pop-Pop has been coming up in the house. Pop-Pop for you because of Taco or because of Queen Sugar? No. So we used to call our grandfather Papa. Okay. And so Takari calls my dad Pop Pop. Oh. Yeah. So we did that long before Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar, so Queen Sugar stole it from y'all. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I'll add the stir up family. Thank you. All right. So your life, your health. Uh, speaking of, I, I can't wait. <laughs> it's been that kind of day? Uh, it's been that kind of week. Stop. What are we drinking on? Orange cream sickle. Y'all see the color? Look at that. Speaking of beer, real quick, yeah. did, did y'all go to um, Grove Toberfest? Totally didn't know about it until it was happening. Oh my God. 
and all that marketing and outreach to other demographics. I, I just totally missed it. I wanted to go. Um, by the time I found out about it, it was like 5.30, and I think it was over at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, we were there. We went to the general admission. Oh, how was it? Um, some of the beer stands were sold out by before 5 o'clock. Beer is popping. <laughs> <laughs> just trying. But no tickets was not cheap. <laughs> it was like $40 for a ticket. Like the day of, I think it was like sixty mm. for general admission. So if you selling out before general admission even gets there, that's the problem. I want to know how many emails they got from people who was like, I can't even taste. There was like at least five different beer stands. They had a lot. It was a lot. So, but I want to do they regulate the kegs, how much they're supposed to show up with. That's always a problem. <coughs> yeah, but of course the big ones, they they were pretty fine. Like Funky Buddha, none of the bigger ones had an issue. It was some of the smaller brands who just probably weren't prepared with the volume. Okay. So speaking of, so now another Miami-based company, um, HealthSnap. We told you guys that uh, MedTech was taking off in South Florida. So I definitely think it's everywhere, but South Florida got it popping. So HealthSnap is a Miami-based lifestyle data analytics startup, uh, which believes all of your lifestyle data, you know, that privacy thing, <laughs> should be looked at and acted upon collectively to prevent chronic illnesses and decrease hospital admissions. So this is a quote. We take all the lifestyle data from wearables, sensors, and apps, and we make sense of all that data collectively. That's what we do. Explain the co-founder. Is that Envy? That's what we'll go with. Envy Tron. Okay. Uh, we create a personalized lifestyle profile telling a story about the positions you are in today. So I think this is dope, but I guess my question is, will doctors and will hospitals actually start taking this data and doing the same thing? Like, will we get into more preventative healthcare mm -hmm. versus responsive healthcare? Because you know, most of the time we respond to things when it's already too late. Right. So, will this affect? Like, because I don't know. For me, Toya, these are the kind of discussions I kind of want to see happening at the DNC. I, I want the debates to become, and we're gonna talk about this later with movies. But mm -hmm. I just wish that the debates would become less predictable, and some of the questions would actually challenge them. And I think yeah. using this kind of data would be a challenge because what if I have great data and what if I'm doing all the healthy stuff? And as I'm saying, and I'm already thinking this might be a disadvantage for poor people that can't afford a lot of technology. The wearables. Yeah. But if I have all this stuff and I'm submitting this data and if I'm going to the gym, what if that, like, decreased my health insurance? And it should, right? Because – if you're taking steps. So even now, if you do like yoga or you do other sort of things, those things, depending on what your health insurance plan is, you can get sort of points for that. And you may get like additional something, you know, it depends on everyone's kind of structured differently. But when you think about preventative measures or even when people stop smoking, right, then that gives, there's some sort of reward from the insurance company for that too. So I think that there definitely needs to be an integrated approach for this. I think that health snap is probably, I'm sure there's no way that they're not looking at the bigger picture and how to integrate what they're doing into the full medical healthcare landscape because it's necessary. <laughs> it almost reminds me of what we're going to continue to see, right? So someone was telling me one time that there's a toilet that was being designed in Asia. So it was either like China or Tokyo or Japan, rather, where it analyzes your poop and it can tell you what you're doing and like what your health is based on your poop. So the so idea. So shit analyzer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but again, going back to paying attention to bigger, to things that are part of your everyday and how that can help you with your health and being able to know and be educated on kind of where you are 
in a more timely, real-time manner. So I think it's just the way of the future, literally. We're, we're pretty much there. And I think it should continue to happen. I mean, one of the yeah. biggest things that I don't see happening enough is the use of this technology to actually make an effective change. And I think this is mm -hmm. an opportunity to use technology to make an effective change. Mm -hmm. But it's also an opportunity for somebody out there that's going to FAMU, that's in D, or, you know, somebody. Go, like, think about how you can take this data and implement it in a whole different way. You know, the goal of Techniques and Bites is to kind of inform you of things and how trends are going um, as we've stepped away from other issues we used to cover. Um, right. But I think this is a great opportunity for some people. I mean, I wish I was more so in that field. I would love to explore it, but mm -hmm. kind of like, uh, you know, um, the dude with the deep voice, uh, is it Allstate, that does oh, the commercials. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know how they say, you know, by basically being able to track that you have good driving habits, they right, lower they your you. insurance costs. Mm -hmm. So if I have good health habits, why would you not lower my insurance costs for my health? Right, right. So just something to consider. And I think, too, going back to... Like, even tracking if you're taking your pills regularly. Like, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And then how that empowers the patients, right? Because, uh, you know, we hear all the time about how certain members of the larger community are treated differently than others when they go to the doctor. So if you have Specifically this black data, women when they're given, having bir given birth? Right. Yes. So if you have this data yourself, then when your doctor is telling you something, you'd be like, pause, wait a minute, my app said... This, right? So it kind of gives you a bit of a leg up in the conversation to where you're not being talked at, where it's a conversation between you and your physician. So Russell Wilson keeps winning. Uh, Nike has picked up Russell Williams' tally trace me in a rare acquisition. So uh, this is information that we received from TechCrunch. Uh, mm -hmm. TechCrunch has learned and confirmed that the multi-billion dollar sports giant has acquired trace me which originally built an app to let fans engage with sports stars and other celebrities before later pivoting into a service called Tally, a platform aimed at sports team broadcasters and venues to help engage around sporting events. Now, the funny thing is um, we were in an event. Dante, mm -hmm. you remember that event when we first met Amelia? The event was in Miami. It might have been almost six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Our homeboy Dixon was down here. And there were three athletes, and basically it was like a platform. All these multimillion-dollar investors came down, and it mm -hmm. was a platform for NFL athletes to be able to pitch their tech tech ideas. It was an amazing event. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys had a platform that was like this, and it was called Influencer, and it oh, was about mm -hmm. being able to engage. Now, this was before you had your social media influencers at this level, and so it's so funny to me that you see. To me now in the industry. The one thing I keep trying to tell people, I don't really see a lot of new ideas anymore. I see a lot of ideas coming back around that might have been ahead of their time mm -hmm. when they initially came out. But now it's like right on time. And I think this is a great because once again, you collect data because like now if you watch ESPN, one thing I really ESPN doesn't really tell us about sports anymore. It's pretty much a whole bunch of bunch of stats for <laughs> like right. uh, fantasy and football and stuff like that. It's a lot different because. You can gamble now who's going to win the coin toss or something. You can gamble per, like, so there's live stream gambling. And I think, honestly, that's why the NCAA doesn't want athletes to start getting paid because it's going to mess up their gambling structure. <laughs> of course. The more and more I looked into it, it's not about the money. It's the gambling that happens with the sports that they're worried about. Yeah. And then, too, it, it, when you think about it, because that now empowers that student to have options. Or to make a mistake or to know that something's coming up. 
or right or to be like I'm done with y'all right. <laughs> right so it just it kind of takes the power out of the university to kind of control the students because now they become their own companies to a certain extent but either way that's what's up I think that's a really dope idea Russell winning though I just want y'all to know yeah Russell, Messi are out there killing they it they just killing it they're like we coming for Jay and Bay and I, I was about to say that's the next power couple they coming and Rihanna over there by herself killing it <laughs> yeah just saying Rihanna just doing it on her own Rihanna like I don't need nobody I I'm got here this. for it Reese. I'm here for it um so Toya I, I came up with this topic I want y'all to know Toya did not put this topic in here <laughs> this was all on me but I've come to the conclusion that women are diverse and inclusion when it comes to tech. You think so? I really believe that. Why um, so? So, not based off of just my knowledge, but for 2019, there was a report. They collected information from over 300 organizations employing a total of 13 million people. They also surveyed more than 68,000 employees, making women in the workplace the biggest contemporary study of women in corporate America. So that was just one study. So the reason why I say that is because most successful companies have been shown to have a woman in a place of power, meaning as an executive, on an executive board, just somewhere within your C-suite. Mm -hmm. So if this is a trend that's showing success, when do you let ego get out of the way of success if you can see that clearly having a woman in power is bringing success to your company. When do you think people let their egos get out of the way? Overall, just just you know politics, everything. There's a stronghold that's kind of in place to where people are very afraid to let go and let change kind of happen. Mm -hmm. And this is just another example. It's it's being it's so evident on so many different fronts, and it's almost as if like the gates are just gonna one day kind of burst open and it's going to happen regardless so you know i think that the stats and like you have down here about curl bible right so i figured you would know her yeah so there are See, i do research to support my <laughs> co-host we care about each other here absolutely so um so yeah no so when you think about just how women number one are kind of like okay well if i can't get what i need in the corporate sector then i'll kind of do it on my own and there's just that continuing, well, that's what you're starting to see, right? You see in younger generations who are like, I'm tired of these politics. I'm going to start making my own movements, bringing my own voice to the platforms and using my influence of circle, my circle of influence rather, to really sort of push my agenda. And that's just what you're going to see. So inclusion is going to happen whether you like it or not. MAGA, I'm just saying. Called you by your name. Uh, <laughs> so, by the way, the young lady she's talking about is Dana. Dana is 25 years old. She's a multimillionaire entrepreneur. Uh, she's the creator of the number one black-owned online beauty supply store, Curl Bible, and the number one online Christian ministry and mobile app, A Sprinkle of Jesus. I must admit, never heard of that. Well, you have to kind of like follow her sprinkle to hear about Sprinkle of Jesus. Sprinkle of Jesus. Um, but Curl Bible, very familiar with them. And... Um, for those who are in the natural hair care community, most people are. So, But, yeah, her and her husband are very uh, engaged in doing it on Instagram. You mostly see a lot of their content on Instagram where mm. they talk about sort of their journey as a couple in the entrepreneurship realm and then how they kind of support each other and then the role that religion plays for them in their sort of how it propelled them forward with their businesses. 
So for a lot of people out there, uh, Dana sat down with Forbes, so you can go to Forbes and check out her interview. In her interview, she talks about her evolution as a business owner, how she's propelling other female lead businesses, and the critical mistakes that new entrepreneurs make. So I think that would be a great read for some people out there. So we've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence, and we used to have conversations, and we had conversations about facial recognition and how facial recognition was having a problem identifying people of color. Um, I've had <laughs> I've had Facebook tag me to be somebody else plenty of times. I'm like, I do not look like that person. Really? They I've usually pretty spot on. No, I've like had it happen like six times. Um, so with that being said, we have an announcement to make for everybody that's out there working on artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, note the secondary word, intelligence, it's going to require diversity. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> when you think about most, the majority of the population in the world are people of color. So reason why it's going to require diversity is because I think it's now, it's time to start discussing this aspect of how this is going to work because we all have different experiences and we have different lives and you know let's just keep it simple if you had an app <laughs> reading artificial intelligence and somebody said all right bet you got to know the context of how they said all right bet whether that means all right bet i'm about to go get my gun <laughs> or whether that means all right bet we cool i'll see you in 30 minutes or whether that means all right bet the conversation is over. We ain't got no more to say. Like, just, I mean, and that's just definitely a joking example, but you got to know the difference of how people deal with situations and mm -hmm. the situations we go through will also change the intelligence in the way we respond to things. So um, I do believe not only is diversity great, of course, for building better businesses and technology, but this is one that we can't miss the mark on. We can't have artificial intelligence being the viewpoint of one particular demographic in a specific age range like it can't even and when i say diversity we're not even just talking race we're talking race gender ethnicities uh especially age because a 18 year old is not going to see something the same as a 35 year old mm -hmm. so i just hope as everybody's diving into uh everything that we're doing right now with artificial intelligence that your intelligence has a broader spectrum than the beer community. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but valid point, right? Because <laughs> a computer is only as smart as the person who programmed it. So if you don't have a diverse pool of people programming this technology, then it's, it's skewed and it's limited to begin with. So how can you expect it to function properly in India where the color spectrum is just as diverse as mm -hmm. it is here? Right? And that's one, that's a country. <laughs> that's one country. One country. Right, one country. But also, even with that, I mean, you got to go even as deep as classism. You got to yeah. understand the difference between the way somebody that's never dealt with a lot of adversities in their life, how they're going to look at something versus someone that goes through adversities every day and the struggle. So the difference between how somebody in Chicago may respond to something versus how somebody in Atlanta or D.C. or Arizona may respond to something like just, I don't want to see them mess this up because, you know, Elon Musk just got a billion dollars in funding to try to recreate the human brain 
but his brain is kind of jacked up. The boy is crazy. He's brilliant, but he's crazy. So you got to be careful of who we're allowing to program these things because we all know it's coming. Sooner or later, this stuff will control our life in some way, shape, or form. Right. Which means that we will have to figure out what we're going to do because <laughs> <laughs> you can't quite have the same jobs you used to have before. Gotta level up, y'all. Gotta learn how to code something. <laughs> uh, so, Global Black Tech, uh, quick shout out. Uh, Mar Group has plans to turn Rwanda into a regional tech hub and has taken one big step towards that goal. Uh, Rwanda President Paul Kagame, is that what we're gonna say? Yeah, that's what we roll okay. with. Okay. Announced Africa's first tech uh, smartphone uh, factory. So excited about that. Won't mm-hmm. be able to get the phone, but you know. Plenty of the phones are assembled throughout Africa, not just in Rwanda, but throughout Africa. But these companies, um, those companies import the components. Mar Group manufactures phones and the motherboards to package in the new factory. So they actually build everything right there from beginning to end. The phone called the Mar X, which retails for $130. What is that? One-twelfth the price of an iPhone? (laughs) No. And the Mara Z, which retails for $190. The company acknowledged that its phones are a little more expensive than other options in Africa, um, but hope the customers are willing to pay for the quality and made-in-Africa pride. I would buy one just for the sake of keepsake. I think that's very dope. I am here for the continent, and I, I like seeing countries start to work together, right? Yes. And keeping resources internally. Because so much of what has happened there is the exportation of resources, which then get created into products in other countries. And then that's where you see the upsell. And the that money doesn't necessarily trickle back into the continent, depending on whatever country that they're working with. But You got to say it again for the people in the back that don't realize how much of the components that make up smartphones yeah. come from Africa. <laughs> right. Congo alone. The Republic of Congo, like, alone. It's, it's amazing, and to think about a continent that is so rich in resources, and yet so many other countries are poor. So you look at the corruption, you look at the sort of manipulation of Western society and how that has been used to sort of keep the countries from developing that the way that they should and that they could. So big up to Rwanda for, like, we're going to do this ourselves. Thank y'all, but no thank you. I'm here for it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So, Toya, you're up next. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, in these streets, here's another reason to not eat pork, because pigs are smart. So, in 2015, Meredith Woot Bernstein was hanging out at a zoo in Paris, checking out a group of pigs, where she saw one of them doing something interesting, and it held a piece of bark in its mouth and used it to dig in the dirt. And so, she realized that the pigs were using that as a tool. So, You've heard before about, like, chimpanzees and other sort of animals using tools, and then it becomes like, oh, they're smart. They have human-like qualities. Well, now pigs have been found to do the same. And so, of course, this was just a very small set of pigs that she realized, but it's a stepping stone in terms of trying to realize that animals may just be a lot smarter than we think they are just because we're not, and for one, we're not connected to nature the way that we used to be. So we don't even observe animals the way that it used to happen. So thinking about that, y'all may not want to have that bacon on Sunday for Sunday brunch, but that's not the only set of pigs that were doing something great. There's also a pig called Picasso, and that's a hog that was rescued from a factory farm in South Africa and displayed a liking for paintbrushes and then started to paint. So the person who rescued the pig from the farm 
start to train the pig how to paint, and now the pig is selling art. So y'all can get y'all some Picasso and go ahead and, uh, and ramp up your money and store it in some art for that. So that's what's going on in these streets. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> going to buy some bacon on the way home. <laughs> I don't even have a dish. I'm just going to wrap the chicken <laughs> from yesterday in bacon. Listen, you're you killing the next Picasso. Bacon. Don't do that to Picasso. To say how, who else didn't got killed? <laughs> Putting bacon on everything. That's I mean that's dope though, but uh, I don't think that's gonna stop nobody from eating. <laughs> you gonna go get me some bacon? <laughs> Especially on Sunday. You now want brunch without bacon? Listen, maybe want to reach for that turkey bacon. Turkeys haven't been called smart yet. First of all, bacon is bacon. There is yeah, no, no such I thing as turkey bacon. <laughs> I'm not a turkey bacon. So fan to all the people home. out there eating turkey strips. <laughs> <laughs> of compressed turkey meat, <laughs> so be it. But bacon is bacon. Period. End of discussion. Absolutely. Period. I, I agree City with girls. That. Period. With a T. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that do turkey bacon. They like it. They like it. No, they don't. <laughs> they have convinced themselves that they <laughs> like it. People that eat turkey bacon and and try to pretend they like it, it's a placebo effect. You are not happy. You're still eating meat and you're not getting the full effect because you can't replace bacon grease. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I know that I am trying to go more meatless. Cook you a hamburger or some bacon grease and get so back So I was like, me. oh, look, another reason to maybe not do. I'm going to send you some bacon, some candy, <laughs> that million, that million do, dollar do bacon. ribs and things like that. So um, for music entertainment, so I just had something to kind of say, like to some people. I had a great conversation <laughs> with a gentleman I met. I'm not going to rant. I'm going to try to have this as a good conversation. Just for some people out there, we talked about this before, especially with the music industry. Just consider the unpopular. Um, and what I mean by that is, what are the ways that you can make money with your talent that may not be traditional, but they still require your talent? And the reason why I bring this up is because 2020 is going to be a huge uh, election year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of political campaigns going on. I know a lot of people in the sound industry, videography. You got to think there's a lot of campaigns out there. We'll go with music first. So in the music industry, there's a lot of campaigns that have to use music. They need background music. They need music. They need music when they're coming onto the stage. Think about producing somebody's theme song for their campaign and just pitching it to them. It doesn't even have to be great, but if you make something unique, just imagine if you came up with Elizabeth Warren's theme song for her campaign and every time she went to an event that's what she was playing um for people that are doing production and you know i know a lot of young guys out there that shooting rap videos and the music is horrible but the skills of the videos are dope i mean y'all are using hardly any lights doing your own editing and everything think about going to somebody that's running for commissioner and asking them hey can i shoot your commercial for social media mm-hmm. like or your intro video for your next Yeah, like rally. when you're coming out on the rally. Like, just think about how to use your talents in different ways. That's just one of the things that's out there for it. Because right now, the industry, and even from my sound man, my, my main man, Dante, we ain't even, there's not even that much music to download. Right now, the industry is at a weird pause. Like, there's not a lot of music coming out. There's not a lot of concerts, like. The only person I even got excited about lately was probably Sebastian Michael is coming back. 
and that's off a of Ted Lucas off a of slip and slide. Other than mm-hmm. that, it's kind of like, oh, new music is out. It's Friday. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't even know about that anymore. Yeah, like the baby. I haven't listened to the baby, but supposedly his album Kurt. Every song on that album is on the Billboard. Like, mm. so if one album can dominate Billboard, that's showing you how slow the industry is. And I guarantee everybody wants to be independent now, but I ain't got time to be going all through SoundCloud to find the <laughs> music. But so figure that out. Um, another thing, with that being said, as I even made my own comment about the quality of music, uh, it's probably time to pass the reign. Um, the new music may not be what you love, but some of the new music is dope. Um, Chef Teach, his son, he's been rapping. Wavy, I think it's Wavy some. His his music's pretty dope. Uh, Ti's son is on a whole nother level, but I think he's getting overlooked because he's not a trapper. I mean, Ti's son can't rap about trapping. He grew up rich. Right. His daddy was rich <laughs> by the time he started. So he don't know about that life, and he shouldn't. He should be able to have something different. Uh, Jaden has put out some great music. Cyrus pretty dope. Um, but there's a lot of young artists out there that's putting out music, and I've said this before, if you like music and you're looking for something different, to me, still one of the number one resources out there is TJ Chapman, TJ's DJs of Tallahassee. That's therapy every Tuesday and Thursday. It comes on at 6 o'clock, uh, free music review TV. It's just a lot of artists, but the basis of me saying is a lot of you old heads if y'all not going to let y'all music grow up with y'all and tell a different story, like, I don't know what Jeezy was talking about in his last album. Yeah. Like, Jeezy, you're not the snowman no more. You dating a woman that's, what, what's she on? She on The View? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's her name? I forgot her name. You got a, you got a cute girlfriend on The View. You ain't thugging no more, dog. Like, you don't even have street cred. You, you about to be Michael Strahan. Like, let it go. Don't nobody want to hear about you. You ain't the snowman no more. You might be going to get ice cream cones with your girlfriend, <laughs> but you ain't the snowman no more, dog. You just gotta let it go. We were you. You're an investor in the figures, like you investing into um, telecommunications. Like we appreciate you, bro, but you ain't selling no more snow, dog. Let it go. Just grow up. Talk about loving that woman off of you. Tell us how that life is. Right, because the population's aging. So the same people that was listening to y'all in the 90s and 2000s, they're older now. <laughs> Don't want to hear the same thing. Like, give me music that ref- reflects Grown, my life. Bro. You need to do like Jay-Z. Tell us how you got the woman off the view. How did you close that deal? That's a song I'll listen to. That's a reality show I'll watch. Like, I don't know what you would call it. The gangster media? Like... <laughs> Some kind of show of what you guys deal with as a couple would be more interesting than the last album you came out with. And it'll probably get more streams. You two should do a podcast about your life. Because on surface, you guys come from polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she's faking and she's really a gangster. Or maybe you're faking <laughs> and you're... I'm just playing. But figure it out, bro. Just yeah, because every song sounded about the same. I was like, wait, we're on the next song? <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, one person did pull off one producer, one artist. That was Gangstar. You're not him. <laughs> so <laughs> every beat can't sound like the same song. Right. It was Jeez. like a loop. And this wasn't even about you, but let it go. Tell us about the girlfriend. Talk about the date. Let us know what kind of arguments y'all have. What are the discussions like? Do you talk about the view when you get home? 
but I don't want to hear about you selling you know drugs. All of you. She's on the talk. The talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got it. That was the one that was Tamar was on. Oh right. Mm-hmm. All right, but it's time to pass the reins off. There's some other young dude out there selling drugs, and he can tell us about it. And he's probably using Uber to sell his drugs. That's a song I'll be willing to hear. Borrow an app. <laughs> Change it up. With that being said, Amazon and Howard University All right. has put up a collaboration where Amazon Studios will allow, uh, enable their academia and industry efforts to build a robust workforce of diverse entertainment industry leaders. So there's a lot of other key points that are in here. But I'm going to tell you something that was said. And it kind of threw me off. The Howard Entertainment Program is an immersive two-semester experience located in Los Angeles, California, that offers Howard University students the opportunity to take. So let me tell you where they lost me. I don't think they should be coming to Los Angeles. Amazon, sometimes I think you guys do amazing things, and then you'll do something to me that just makes it feel like you missed the mark. You should have packaged up, found you a studio, or found you something over in D.C., went to Howard and built something over there so those young kids can create their own content for your streaming platform for Amazon Prime. And then after they built and they've learned and they've become comfortable without going through a lot of the disparity that happens in L.A., because I've heard horror stories of friends that work in the industry over there, I think you should have went to Howard, go to their environment. Because we've talked about this even with events. You do certain events, people don't want to come to that neighborhood and they don't want to come to that event. But they want you to show up to their event so it looks diverse. I think this was a chance you could have packed up something and took it over to uh, D.C. That's just my initial thought. So I definitely think they could have done something in D.C. But I think the idea of going to L.A. is valuable. Because I remember just when I was like at Florida State and going to New York. Yeah. For advertising. Like, that was like, I'm in the environment. How hot is this? I feel it. I see it. And it gives you something to identify with. And I think just from the L.A. being sort of the film capital of the world to a certain extent, it just, it you're in it. So now you get to see it, and who knows what may happen because you're in Hollywood. Um, and it's an opportunity because who knows how many of those kids have actually ever been to California or L.A. I think they should go. I'm not saying they shouldn't go at all. But I think the program should be split, and they should make an investment into that community and build a studio. Now, with that being said, I hope Tyler Perry plans on doing some of the same things with some of the HBCUs. Yeah, or they could have did that. It could have been a partnership between, like, Amazon, Tyler Perry, his new studio space, and Howard, and they took they went to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That could have been dope, too. But I think L.A. Or is Or even if not though. dope, even if not one or the other, I hope that's in the plans to come up next. Because a lot more people probably have those fire sticks and could watch Tyler Perry, My Dear Films, and y'all could put them on repeat instead of everybody still looking for those bootleg VHSs that he used to put out. And that could be a whole different level of content that you come out. Because there's a lot of other people coming up with great stage plays, and that's still a targeted demographic. There's yes. still a certain demographic that love stage plays. Exactly. They come to um, what you call all the time. James O. Night Center, thank you. Yes, absolutely. They come there all the time. So So, with that being said, but if this is going to happen, Toya, I just need people to make something different, speaking of the entertainment industry. So, 
while there could be some amazing twist to the plot, I absolutely adore and think he is one of the best creators and actors out there. But Will Smith with the Gemini Man, I have no interest to see that movie. You, you don't want to see the technology and the, like... First of all, we can't even see the technology the way it was meant to be because the guy shot it in 120 frames per second and no studio except six of them in America can even keep up with the technology he used. <laughs> wow, wow. So the dude that's shooting these films with Will Smith is on a whole nother level. So maybe in 2027, we'll actually be able to enjoy the film in its truest form. But until then, just I'm tired of predictable. Sto- you know what I love the best? Is so why I'm is it predictable? Why is it predictable? A Gemini man. So you're talking about the other bad side of you and you're fighting yourself. So it's the younger version of you and you are attacking each other. Either way, one of the Will Smiths is going to die. Or maybe not. Maybe they merge. (laughs) And they become one that becomes Will. Maybe. But if that's the case, the way you sold it is better to intrigue me. The way those (laughs) previews was put together made me be like, "Uh, nah, next time. You know what I would like to see Will Smith produce? What? That... It came out probably four or five months ago. I think we were here when we saw it. The person that put out that raw version of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm. the movie, mm-hmm. that I would want to go see because it was like updated to the modern daytime. Mm-hmm. And it was the same kind of story, but he went through more real stuff and it got a little bit more gritty. I don't see why he's not making that. Even that, that preview alone, shot in the same quality, shot by the person that made that preview, I will go see that movie on opening weekend. And a lot of people probably would, just for nostalgia's sake. And speaking of nostalgia, though, when I say make something different, Rambo shouldn't have came back out. Arnold Schwarzenegger shouldn't <laughs> be in no more movies about anything <laughs> to do with him and a robot. <laughs> you don't want to see Terminator? Nope. Uh, <laughs> sit your $5 ass down before I make change. Don't Nobody need to redo New Jack City. <laughs> no, there's certain things that just shouldn't be touched. Don't touch New Jack City. Just don't. Eddie Murphy, if Eddie, like, if Wesley Snipes came back and said, I am going to redo New Jack City, it's a go. Eddie Murphy came back and he's redoing, or he's doing a sequel of Coming to America, that's a go. Mm -hmm. But you can't come in and put your own interpretation of greats like that. Use it as inspiration and just make your own thing. Yeah. Although I am kind of disappointed with, like, what the sort of idea behind Coming to America 2 is. Like, okay. You could have took us <laughs> to like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I felt like it should have been a continuation, not like a repeat of the same storyline just in the future. It's not a continuation? No, isn't it like his son is doing kind of like the same thing or something like that? And he comes here. But it, you know what? From what I'm hearing with Eddie Murphy's stand up and the way he's talking, I think he'll have some of the approach of the same social undertones uh-huh. that may not, because you got to remember. As funny as that movie was, there was a lot of social undertones yeah. that Eddie always addresses. So I think maybe maybe his brilliance will address different undertones that wasn't there before. Maybe that's what yeah. we'll look forward to. Yeah. You know, like when like uh Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. People didn't realize Dave Chappelle was all, Dave Chappelle was recently talking about opioids and everybody got upset. But Dave Chappelle did the same thing in DC with the crack epidemic because he had the whole thing. Oh, don't worry about it. They won't say nothing. Just sprinkle some crack on them. He's always had social yeah. undertones and commentary to what's going on. But because it's opioids. Ah, aha. See, Don't Katrina, it's not me. I'm not <laughs> trying to go with the highs and lows, but <laughs> opioids is a whole different race of people. It's affecting different people because you had to go to a doctor 
which means you had to have health insurance to get opioids. Um, so some local news, because the national news is horrible. Y'all know what's going on with the orange man. Miami Gardens is supposed to hopefully partner up with Formula One. Very excited about this. Formula One and the Hard Rock Stadium have given tentative approval to a deal that would bring an annual race to South Florida starting in 2021. But there's a big if involved. The race will only happen if Miami-Dade commissioners approve the deal. Commissioners Barbara Jordan, who represents the district that includes Miami Gardens, and local residents strongly oppose the move. I don't know about the opposition, but I think it's a great idea. Oh, I was going to say, do we know why they're opposing it? No. I just think it'll be, that's a whole other demographic coming to Miami Gardens. It's more exposure for the city. And we've been talking about this. Uh, the city itself needs to grow and it needs exposure. Hey, cameraman, before it goes, your Sling Studio is about to run out of power. It's not hooked up to a battery. You're on red and it's flashing. Mm. Um. But yeah, no, it, it almost reminds me of back when they used to have the um, the race on Biscayne Boulevard. I think it'll be, I mean, only thing I was worried about is possible safety because it is Formula One and mm -hmm. those things can get off track, go off. But if you look at the renderings of what they did with that, it's pretty amazing. It looks exciting. Yeah, no, I'll be interested to know what the opposition is. I'm sure we'll find out. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll More have to come. Go. We'll keep y'all posted. But we'll definitely keep you guys posted on that. Um, Miami will have its best year yet for venture capitalists. Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I just want you guys to notice what I just said there. The headline is Miami will have its best year for VC. Soon as you get into the details, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Metro. Just remember when we tell y'all these little things matter. Because yeah. it's not just Miami money. There's a lot of money coming into Broward County right now. But Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Metro has already logged its best year for record for venture capital. The state of Florida is on track for a record year as well. The third quarter added at least $189.5 million across 24 deals uh, to the total for the Miami Metro Area Total VC, according to PitchBook, um, NVCA, which is a venture monitor report for the uh, quarter three 2019 released earlier this month. That number feels really small. <laughs> like 189? Yeah. Like I just in compared for one to quarter compared to everybody else. Yeah, that feels like okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like when you think about all of the sort mm. of VC raises that happen in other cities, it's well, like one company does. I that. was just about to say. I think Delane <laughs> with Play Versus just did ninety million. Right. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. In theory, well, good job, <laughs> South when Florida. you first hear it, it sounds great. But when you think about the deals you heard about, it's like, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> right. But we still cheering for our state. We are young and we coming up. So congratulations to everybody. But with that being said, <laughs> there's a lat billion. Um, billions of dollars are flowing into Latin America for its startup scene. And their startup scene is starting to scale greatly. So over the course of the year, it has become increasingly clear to those of us paying attention that Latin America has effectively become the new China when it comes to venture investing. Uh, SoftBank's interests aside, overall, there's been a significant uptick in startup and venture funding activity. So Emerge Americas, Miami being the gateway. So I still don't get it, Toya. If Miami is the gateway to Latin America, Latin America is getting billions in investment. 
Miami has $189 million. We're falling short somewhere. We got to figure this out. Uh, some quick shout-outs, uh, just some events that we will be at and some events we will be participating in. The fourth annual iGen Film Festival. Uh, we're going to be doing a tech talk and film, uh, which is hosted by Digital Grass. Tech Meets and Bites are not your actual host. That's the name of our show. But <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it that the brand has started to stick. Um, Thursday, October 24th. I'm sorry. When the fourth annual gen, the film festival is this Saturday, oh, October. It starts like probably on Friday, right? Thursday. Oh, it started today. Mm-hmm. It's through Saturday. We'll be there Saturday at noon or 11 o'clock. So meet us down in Overtown. Yeah. Got some stuff to talk about. And y- everybody that knows, when we have a crowd, the clapbacks are always better. Because <laughs> people give us their energy. We give it to y'all, too. It's fine. <laughs> don't, don't feel short. It's not the same. I promise you. Got to come out. <laughs> and then October 21st, Black Men Talk Tech Unicorn Ambition Conference. Uh just got invited to come moderate a panel, but we're supposed to be filming also. Multi-talented group. So, got to figure that out. Actually, I think you need to come down to film because I got to I gotta uh, present. So, <laughs> this is going to be it. Uh, someone needs to hear this. We're going to just close it out for today. Um, information not implemented is tiring. And I wrote the notes, but I normally write the notes to dismiss some of the anger before I have the conversation. And so somebody needs to hear this, and somebody needs to hear this because you need to tell somebody else this because this is what you're feeling. Guys, I just want you to know, for creatives, consultants, marketing people, um, whether we're getting paid for it or whether we're giving it out for free, uh, giving you quality information from years of experience only to see you not implement it or only to see you pretty much bypass it, it's tiring to our soul. And I'm going to explain to you why. It's tiring because we're actually giving you valuable information that we've spent years or decades on to be able to give you that information. And even when you're paying us for it, and some people be like, well, I paid you as long as I paid you. But see, that's the difference. As consultants, as creatives, we're normally giving you this information because we actually want to see you succeed. We want to see you successful. That's why some of your best creators and your best creatives collaborate with other creatives just so we can get other perspectives and we can sometimes change our point of view. But when you don't know what you're doing and you seek professional advice and you pretty much do the exact opposite of the professional advice, the reason why it's tiring because it's a weight on our soul because you get to a point where you don't want to help other people. And I know this sounds funny, but... Most people aren't always out there just chasing money. Because trust us, there's a lot of other horrible projects that pay well that we could be a part of if it was just about the money. But there's some dedicated boutique agencies and smaller companies that work with startups, they work with nonprofit, they work with people that are focusing on social impact, and they're giving you this advice so you don't have to make the mistakes that they've seen other companies make. And when you turn around and do the exact opposite of the advice somebody has given you, it's pretty much like you go into your doctor and the doctor tell you what's wrong with you. And your only response is, that's not what I came here for. So let me tell you what's wrong. 
or you go to your mechanic and your mechanic fix your car and you're like, I appreciate you fixing my car, but that's not what the problem was. But your car is running and the mechanic saw another problem that prevented the problem that you thought was a problem. Those are the same thing consultants and creatives do. Our goal is to see your vision, help you interpret your vision to a visual state, and then to put it out there to the public, to lure the public in, to buy into your vision, whether that's a product or a service or a social impact. But when we do those things and you pretty much ignore the advice you, we give you, it becomes draining. And that's why a lot of creatives, we have to take vacations, we have to go to Naples for soft resets, or we just turn off our phone and drink. But it becomes a tiring thing. So all I'm saying is if somebody's giving you advice, professional advice, as a consultant, advertising agency, listen. The first thing to do is listen. Doesn't mean your idea won't work, but listen to what they're saying and try to implement that first because you've already paid for their advice. But the worst thing is when the consultant tells you exactly what was going to happen and then your company fails or you get a lawsuit and you're looking at them crazy when you could have avoided it just by listening. Someone needs to do all right. That's Mike. And that's Toya. And, and this, this is, is Tech, Tech Beats and, and Bites. Bites. Getting real good with this time thing. Yeah, Start a little late, end it on time. <laughs> good, I'll haul forward. Tesla airbags didn't deflate any models. Everybody wonders why I take my time when I make purchases when I do certain things. Thank you, Jesus. 